Today on this, the third Sunday of St. Matthew, or the third Sunday after the great feast of Pentecost, we heard a gospel reading from St. Matthew where different parts of it are well known. People know how to quote some of the words. And yet, it has some very, very important information after so many years that all of us could use in order to improve our life, our spiritual life, and our even, may we dare say, our mental health. If you've ever read, and I'm assuming most of you have, any of the lives of the saints, you notice that, which by the way, the lives of the saints for Orthodox Christians are an integral part of the journey of faith to read and to understand and to get to know about those whom have achieved this great relationship with God. Our life, the goal of our life, of course, is to know him intimately, God, Christ, and to become like him. And we can do that partly by understanding what those that have achieved this, how they lived. Reading the scriptures, of course, is another way. But I mentioned specifically the lives of the saints because some of the lives of the saints, and especially the end of their lives, can be quite disturbing. Many of our saints, you know, their lives came to an abrupt end because of martyrdom. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of stories. In fact, most of the saints, the majority, I would say more than 50%, are part of what makes up the martyrs of the church. Today we commemorated seven or eight saints, and six of them were martyrs. And many of them lived in the first 400 years of the church. There are martyrs probably that still exist in the world today that are dying because of their faith. We may not know of their names. We may not know them directly. There are saints that were very old that became martyrs very young men and women, children. I always think about St. Sophia, the great martyr with her three daughters, and what it would be like for us to have to decide whether we turn our backs on Christ or know that together with our children, we would be killed. Last week, if you were not here, there was a society here from a city called Vistomo. And I can't stop thinking about the story of Vistomo. Vistomo is a small city where during the Nazi occupation of Greece, the one German brigade went absolutely crazy because someone shot at them in the street, and they found this village, the closest village, Vistomo, and they slaughtered everyone. Most, not everyone, but many of them. And there was a man here who I've known for a long time, and he would tell me these stories. And when he was four, they had hid the children in the patari. The patari is like a loft of the house. And he watched his parents die when he was four years old by the Germans. Life is hard. Christ never said in all of the scriptures, we can search it well, he never said that I came to the world, that I was crucified, 
buried, resurrected, ascended into heaven, and sent you the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, so that life wouldn't be hard. He never said that he did any of those things to make us to have an easy life or to have success. He didn't even say that he did it so that we wouldn't become ill and die. He said that he would do all these things to give us a chance to live forever, eternally, in his kingdom. I think that in our own minds, we conflate some of these things and we confuse them. I think that even with church, sometimes we think that we go to church and we receive communion and the sacraments and unction and holy water because it's going to offer us some kind of magical protection. And that's not at all why we do any of these things. It's so that when life gets hard, it's so that when we face illness or even death, that we can do it with dignity and hope that it's not the end. It is so that when we face hardships, we can have strength and courage and hope and faith and that we can affect the world by our faith and our courage and our hope. And I think in our decision-making, it's interesting, by the way, that the way the Gospel reading starts out is the Lord says, Christ says, the eye is the lamp of the body. Of course, he, he is comparing this eye, that this is where light comes into the body, to the, light, to the soul. That's the comparison he makes. So he says, if your eye is sound, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is not sound, your body will be full of darkness. In other words, if your soul is not sound, not healthy, your, eye will be, your, your body, your whole body, will be full of darkness. But it's interesting. If you look at the same words in Greek, it says if your soul is not sound. You know what it says in Greek? Eanthe ophthalmosu. Ponirosi. What does that mean? Sneaky. Poniros. The translation is not quite good. So if our soul is sneaky, spiritually unhealthy, then our whole body will be dark. And in fact, what we see as priests that many of you can see, but it's mostly because of confession that we see, is we see when someone is spiritually healthy, living a spiritually sound life, when their soul is not sneaky. And we have another person whose soul is sneaky and is struggling spiritually, that they can see the same thing unfold before them, and one has a very dark understanding of what's happening, and one has a very positive and enlightened opinion of what's unfolding before them. At the end of the Gospel, it says that we should seek first His kingdom. This is a famous camp song. You know, if you've ever been to camp, we sing this song all the time. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. This is a very famous camp song. The point is that in everything that we do, Every decision we make, we are intended to do it with his kingdom in mind.
We've talked a lot lately about an emptiness that many people have inside of them, a void, especially our young people. And I know that it's gotten much worse in the last few years. And we can talk about why, but I don't think it matters so much. What matters is that this void, there is a great attempt to fill the emptiness with all kinds of things. Some very unhealthy things, some perhaps not so unhealthy, but regardless, the void as we try to fill it with our social media and all these different things, we realize very quickly that the void doesn't get full for very long. We fill it temporarily by filling it with all kinds of things. And then again we wake up and we feel that there is an emptiness. And this emptiness brings depression and anxiety and sadness. And the truth is that the emptiness can only be filled forever by God Himself, by faith, by Christ. And it would behoove us to make decisions, big and small, with God's kingdom in mind. We are having an argument, and I should ask myself, does this have a bearing on my relationship with God and His kingdom right now? Our life would be so much easier. We would have very few problems, very few distresses. We would be happy. We wouldn't have anxiety. And of course, we have to trust Him to lay upon Him our problems, our distresses, our anxieties, the things that make us sad. And we'll notice very quickly that when we rely on Him and trust Him fully, our life changes. May we experience what the birds of the field, the birds of the air and the flowers of the field experience. That they are taken care of completely and fully. And they become even more beautiful, as the Gospel says today, than the clothes that adorn Solomon. 